For a long time, health research did not consult Australia's First Nations people. But teams are now emerging to create sustainable, meaningful change. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. Today, Kim Mori explores what it means to centre Aboriginal voices to create health equity. Um, I'd like to start by acknowledging the Kaurna people, the traditional custodians of the land on which we're gathered here today. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander audience members online. I'd also like to advise that some of the following content is sensitive and contains reference to Aboriginal people who have passed. Not far from here in Adelaide's industrial outskirts lies a warehouse. Inside, at its centre, is a room that houses a dark and deeply disturbing past. Here lie the skeletal remains of up to 4,000 of our ancestors. Marked on the cardboard coffins in pen, words that read femur, jaw and skull. Others are marked only with place names, Militon, Salt Creek. Some only marked Ghana, custodians of the country that became Adelaide. Ghana, overrepresented on these old shelves. Specimens locked in stale air, separated from the earth from which they came. This room is known as the House of the Dead. Back in the late 19th and early 20th century, Adelaide's establishment organisations and the so-called elite who ran them, the university, the museum, the asylum, the hospital and the morgue, conspired to collect, steal and trade human remains locally, nationally and internationally in the name of science. The remains of our deceased people in their hundreds were taken from ancient Aboriginal burial grounds. Some were surrendered by police. Still more were collected from the hospital and the asylum where interments had few rights. The South Australian Ashamy Act of 1884 stated that anyone who died in a public institution who had not objected to being donated to science would be sent to the medical school for dissection. Language was a critical barrier for Ghana and other language groups. Furthermore, Aboriginal people had no rights in life. A grieving process and ceremonial burial, important across all cultures, is something many families were denied. Sir Edward Sterling, founder of the University Medical School and an inaugural professor of physiology, was also director of the South Australian Museum around this period. His interest in ethnology, his fascination with country's First Nations people, saw him curate arguably the largest collection of Aboriginal artefacts anywhere in the world. This extended to Indigenous remains shared with cultural institutions around the world for study. The Ghana people, like so many Aboriginal language groups, have been subjected to colonial research lens since the arrival of the British, a curiosity to be studied. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander research has come a long way since then most principally through the development and adoption of national ethical frameworks that now underpin all research relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in this country. As Tegan said, my name's Kim Mori. I'm an Amudjida, Eastern Arunda woman with family connections to Central Australia, but I was born here on Ghana country. I'm the co-theme leader of the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute's Wadley Pringa Aboriginal Health Equity theme. In respecting the gift we have received from the Ghana people, I'll share the meaning of our name. Wadli, meaning house, hut and shelter, and Paringa, referencing the river in which we're located. Wadli Paringa, house, river, place. The name also refers to a dreaming story, the Milky Way, reflected in the river that runs alongside of our building. 
Here at SAMRI and in other institutions across Australia, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, the world's oldest continuing culture, are turning the tide on Aboriginal research. With Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities at its centre, our researchers, our partners, our team of allies are working to address the significant and systemic health challenges that continue to face our people. From understanding the key biomarkers of chronic disease affecting Aboriginal people, to understanding their access to health service in cities and remotely, to the quality and cultural safety of the care once they access it, our remit is broad. Our scope of key relationships to ensure holistic impact and effective research translation is broader still. In spite of Closing the Gap um, initiative launched in 2007, designed by the government to address the life expectancy disparities um, experienced between our people and non-Indigenous Australians, alarming health comparisons remain. And Indigenous life expectancy in birth when compared with non-Indigenous counterparts still falls short. 8.6 years less for our men and 7.8 years less for our women. First Nations people are almost four times more likely to have diabetes or pre-diabetes and often leading to compounding or life-threatening complications. Cardiovascular disease remains the leading cause of avoidable death and death overall. And the social exclusion that many Aboriginal people experience when navigating healthcare systems continue to ne negatively impact cancer survival rates when compared to our non-Indigenous Australians, despite similar overall cancer incidents. These bleak statistics tell us, as they have told our governments in the past, what research and healthcare sectors should be doing um, and focusing on if we're serious about addressing health inequity in this country. The problem is statistics alone do not tell the whole story. Only the people experiencing the health issues and their families and communities can do that. You see, the Aboriginal concept of health and wellbeing encompasses a person's spirit, their strength of culture, their connection to community and its environment. It's in stark contrast to Western biomedical approaches to health. Failing to recognise Aboriginal concepts of health and wellbeing fuels what we call a deficit um, narrative, a narrative that explains only the negative aspects of our people's modern health challenges. Instead of presenting a more contextualised history of Aboriginal health, cultural knowledge and resilience garnered over some 65,000 years, it also doesn't take into account the complex social determinants of health which go a long way to explaining the deficits that remain in closing the gap. That's why Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people leading research that addresses First Nations specific health challenges is so important to addressing the gap. It's why the ethical and cultural frameworks that guide Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander research exist, like those from the National Health and Medical Research Council. Their guidelines have informed Samri and Wadley Paringa's local guidelines, the South Australian Aboriginal Health Research Accord, which steps through a number of principles. The first and most critical speaks to priority setting. The Accord states that all Aboriginal health research priorities are to be set by Aboriginal community in the developmental stages. That research must have tangible benefits to the community and those benefits must be determined by our community. That the gift and evidence gathered through research with Aboriginal people is a gift and should be treated as such. That the ownership and control of data rests with the individual participant and or the local community. The use of data must be negotiated and agreed. And in addition, research projects must consider how the findings of the research will be translated into making real difference. All of these things should be thought about at the beginning of the research process. We do not have the luxury or the desire for research to be done with our communities that is not going to make a real difference. That would be unethical. Community lives at the heart of our research, summed up well in the statement, nothing for us without us. This is a model that flips the traditional research interest model on its head. 
At the core of Aboriginal research paradigms is community and its collective voice. Nothing for us without us. Our researchers, before they even apply for research funding, consult with communities to ascertain key health issues affecting the community. When Professor Alex Brown, our inaugural theme leader here at SAMRI, arrived in South Australia, we set about travelling to every Aboriginal community in South Australia. Firstly, to introduce Alex to the community, but also to gauge interest and support for the largest Aboriginal diabetes study undertaken in Aboriginal health. The community deemed this a priority and the Aboriginal Diabetes Study, with the support of world-leading scientists, now aims to identify if there are any unique biomarkers or clues in our blood, urine or saliva, which, for example, if I was to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes today, my doctor would not be able to project what, if any, future complications of diabetes I may develop. The Aboriginal Diabetes Study is trying to identify those specific biomarkers so that in the future, my doctor would be able to identify that I was at risk of diabetes complications and provide the appropriate care for me to prevent the complications from developing in the first place. If we can find those answers through science, it will not only have an impact on South Australia's Aboriginal population, but it also has the potential to have a great impact on our population nationally and potentially Indigenous populations globally. Today, thousands of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander researchers, doctors, nurses, health workers, knowledge brokers and first and foremost communities are working together to address Aboriginal health, life expectancy and quality of life. Our current program of work is tackling diabetes and its complications, chronic diseases, specifically cardiovascular disease, cancer and stroke, adolescent health and wellbeing, healthy ageing programs, along with tackling the critical social and cultural determinants of health. We are having an impact through national projects which have showcased best practice evidence in the provision of health care delivered through Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community controlled health services. Our evidence has informed the prioritisation and composition of the Aboriginal workforce across SA health sites. We are building and supporting the next generation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health researchers. And we are leading a national policy through the development of an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander adolescent health roadmap underpinned by a deadly inspiring youth governance panel. We're embedding ethical Aboriginal research principles across SAMRI's research programs more broadly. The Aboriginal community voice is at the heart and centre of what we do. The voice of the community at the centre of matters that affects us, not just in health but across the board. Now that's an Australia I'd really like to see. Thank you very much. That was Kim Murray, co-theme leader for the Aboriginal Health Equity Strategy at the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute. She was speaking at our Occam's Razor live event at MOD in Adelaide on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. And we have another live show coming up soon. We'll be in Perth on the 22nd of February. Check out our website for more details. I would love to see you there. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be back with another science story next week. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.